from the Pathway Studios in Johnston proper. You are live from the path. And you're listening to live from the path. We're coming to you from the Pathway Studios here in Johnston proper. What was that? What do you mean? I am who I am. It just felt like you melted at the end of your statement. You're like, <laughs> that's how the people. That's how they do it. That's how you get the people, people in. Connect to that. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Hey, yeah. are you are you farming out our social media to other people? Because there's a lot of emojis and stuff hey. in some of the reels. <laughs> hey, so that I've been what, looking at lately. Here's what I'm doing. I, I got this. I have a service. That does this for me. Uh, My people. And, and like, I have to cut the clips. So I have to go between this time and this time. This is the clip I want. And then I give it a title. And then before you publish it to Facebook from the service, it goes, hey, do you want to generate, uh, use AI to generate your post description? I'm like, <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, now, geez. it starts with my description. It pulls in the description from uh, our YouTube video, which mm-hmm. I write. And then, the, then it takes it. And it, frankly, it does a pretty good job. And, but really spices it up with a bunch of random emojis. Uh, and so here's the deal. It, they're not from the, – it's not my cup of tea, to be honest with you. But, like, I don't know. Maybe they, they work. what they're doing? Yeah. Maybe so, the emojis work? Yeah. I saw, I saw somebody ratting on uh, AI because uh, it, it's uh, they got caught for plagiarism. And I thought, isn't that actually the point? It takes everything that's been written and learned from it? Isn't that – Uh, Well, actually, it's the point. It, though. It should be actually should allow you to go around it because AI should not be using verbatim right stuff. Well, it kind of mix it up a little bit. Yes, right. It basically, yeah, it I guess I assume I assume that's what it was. You remember when you did a, uh, like a book report in like third or fourth grade, and yeah. really what you did is you read the encyclopedia, yeah. and then you found a way to reword it so that you didn't plagiarize it. Yeah, that's yeah. what we're talking about. Yeah, I've heard of people doing that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dan wrote his own encyclopedia entries. That's right. Oh, oh my mistake, Dan. <laughs> okay. You're listening to Live from the Path. So, uh, welcome to episode 501. Uh, we're very glad uh, to have you on the program tonight. Here's what we have going on the show. There are a number of articles. Good. So, so um, there was uh, what Ephesians 5 really teaches about husband-wife submission. Oh, boy. Okay. Yeah, that's up boy. on the docket. Uh I thought this was. I'm not. There's. I'm not going to read this whole thing because I don't. I don't know if I want to spend a bunch of time on it. But like the opening of this article was, your child attending public school in the U.S. now has a one in four chance of declaring an LGBTQ identity before the end of high school. I I was surprised by that. Wow. That seemed. I don't know. I guess Mike, you're kind of close to that. Does that seem right? One in four. Uh, that seems a little high. Okay. Yeah, a little. Just a little though. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, that's that, national that averages like- versus Iowa. Uh, yeah, yeah, I suppose. And that could be like they they declared it for like two weeks and thought, ah, I guess not, or like, I mean, permanent. Like, probably I, this is what I am. Well, it says declared at some point in time. I'm getting well, I yeah. Mean, so like that could be taken of, both those ways. To be honest, yeah, yeah maybe. Yeah. I don't yeah. Know. Well, to be fair, it's so normalized that like people just look at it as like an alternative to the re- like. It's just when someone goes through their goth phase or yeah. I declared a lot in high school. Yeah, I thought I legit thought until I was probably 13 that I had a full shot at being Wolverine. Like, I would yeah. go home to my apartment building and jump over park benches, and I'm like, I'm halfway there. 
I mean, I can see kids doing that just to break up with someone that they don't want to really tell them the truth to. Oh, oh I'm gay. Yeah. Then a month later, I guess I'm not. Oh, yeah. I but I'm over you. Yeah, my identity changed a lot throughout my, my high school years and like what I what I thought I was. Not my gender identity by any means, but like a lot of stuff changed about me. I did everything I could based off of like who I liked at the time oh, on yeah, what yeah. they would want yeah. me to be. I and love so my music little I would, Yeah, exactly. I love this stuff. I started smoking cigarettes so that I could ha- get a date because I was like in sixth grade and this eighth grader was smoking cigarettes at the park. And yeah. I said, oh, yeah, I this smoke a pack a, a day. Yeah. And so she handed me a cowboy killer, a Marlboro Red. And I lit that thing up and smoked it wrong the whole time. <laughs> and uh, we hung out for hours at the park. And she was my new girlfriend for about five minutes. Yeah. What? Yeah. what? Cigarettes bring people together, man. Yeah, I, I started smoking at 11 years old for that reason. If yeah. they let them advertise on TV anymore, you'd know that. <laughs> more things to bring us together. Interesting. <laughs> I, my, I guess, uh, well, so I guess I've always thought that about cigarettes with people uh, like bumming smokes off each other or smoking together in the cold. There's a, like a sympathy to it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Everybody yeah, wants yeah. to be at the smoker shack. Yeah. 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 Okay. So, Mike, but as, no, you're, as, as a man who uh, took up smoking in your uh, teenage years, do you feel like it brings people together? Oh, yeah. 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 I actually, it, I don't know what I was thinking. I started, I waited until I was 18. Uh-huh. So I was legal and could buy a pack of cigarettes, and I did. And then I thought, this will keep me from having to talk to people at bars. Because, like, we were playing in a band at the time. I'm like, I'll just go outside and smoke. And that way, this will be, then it won't be awkward. Well, there's all kinds of people out there out smoking. There. Yes. You know, and so then you're <laughs> still minute. talking to people out there. Then you realize that, like, if you smoke, you got a friend somewhere. Right? That's the and truth. Hey, man, can I have one of those? Sure. They'll go, it's a menthol. You're like, ah, I guess not. <laughs> yeah, I'll have one. I guess so. <laughs> if it's the only option. Yeah, if that's all there is. Yeah, totally. I was, yeah, I, I became good friends with a bunch of people because I smoked <laughs> uh, when I was in high school and everybody thought it was the cool thing to do. I mean, everybody knew it was dumb, but like when you're the smoking kid, it's, the it's I, you know, yeah. get off the bus and light up a cigarette. <laughs> what do you actually? Your story That's is metal. interesting to me, Booba, because like uh, at eighth, at eight, as an eighth grader, it would feel like you don't come across cigarettes very easy, and so I would be loath to share them. But is that that's wrong? The smoker's mentality is I I'm willing to buy a friend for a stick. If I if I knew the people that were that were the cashiers, I'd get cigarettes, no problem. Yeah. And if for some reason I couldn't, because I was a big kid, and so like they didn't ID me very often, to be honest with you. Now back in Altoona. Yeah. Um, but when I was like I I knew older people because I was a smoker, and like we'd hang out at the parks and yeah. smoke cigarettes. Mm. And so if mm. I couldn't get one, they could get a pack. Did people so, like make a business out of it? Like, hey, give me an extra buck. No, we were never smart about that stuff. We were just trying it. to be buddies and look cool. Yeah. And you didn't smoke a ton of them. You know what I'm saying? It's not no, like yeah. like once you're a, once you're a seasoned smoker, you like you go through a pack a day or something. Like when you're younger, it's right. like three. A pack would le- a pack would last me a week. Yeah, because I mean that's expensive. Like you're five to seven yeah. bucks at the time when I started smoking, and. Yeah, right. Uh, it was You'd ridiculous. really baby him. You'd really baby him. Oh, absolutely. Pack. It'd yeah. be one on the way. I I would smoke. I would get off the bus. I would light up a red, and I would walk down the street to my house where I would immediately walk inside and shower because I knew I smelled like cigarette smoke. Yeah. And I have a distinct memory of my mom getting home from work earlier one day, and I was walking down the road with a cigarette in my hand, <laughs> and I saw her convertible turn the corner, and I flicked the cigarette away, and she pulls up. She goes, what was that? And I go, Nothing. And she goes, what was that? And I'm like, here's a cigarette. And she goes, okay, you're walking the rest of the way home. And I was a little fat kid. Yeah. And that was the most <laughs> angering thing to me, even though it was, I got dropped off at the end of my street. 
and my street, my house was halfway down my street. Yeah. So I was block. I was walking three quarters of a block, yeah. and I was furious <laughs> that she would not let me into her car. She goes, "No, you smell like smoke. I don't want you in my car." And I'm like, let me in this car right now, woman. And she drove off. And I was more angry about that than more, most of the things that I was angry as a child about. And then she said, well, when, I, when my brother was caught smoking as a, as a child, my parents made him smoke the whole pack. So we're going to do that. So they had me smoke the whole pack. And I just went, okay. Like, and right. I smoked the whole pack. Are you going to me more? sick to my stomach like crazy. Yeah. And then I went back to smoking like a week later. Uh-huh. That's bad. Okay. Bad stuff. All right. Uh, also, there's a there's an article from um, Chris Llewellyn, who is the lead singer of Red Collective, um, and it was this was from February this year, and the column was was called "Proud to Be a Biblical Christian." Here's why that might be a problem. And I thought, oh no, what does he mean? Is he putting me at risk? Okay. Uh, so we'll, we'll cover that. Plus, we got uh, advice on dear life in the path. Yeah, smoke him. Okay. Uh, so let's let's start with this. Oh boy, we might as well light the fires here. Uh, I tell you what. So, so these, these these articles from the Christian Post. I got in a tussle with the Christian Post six years ago uh, because of their um, their pop up ads. Like the when you get on there, they're like, "Hey, you want to register for the site?" Or I the the option was, "Yes, I want to register for the site." Or uh, "No, I don't want truth in my inbox." <laughs> and I said, so I screenshotted it and I put it on Twitter. I've used Twitter like four times. This was one of the times I used the Live from the Path account. And we tagged the Christian post. And I said, hey, for a Christian outlet, you're forcing me into a lying box. And you should be ashamed of yourselves. Now, they changed the pop-up ad within like two or three days. It no longer said that anymore. But doggone it, they are they are aggressive. Yeah. Uh, in this trying to, like, oh, I just don't want to sign up for your freaking, for your site. Okay. What Ephesians 5 really teaches about husband-wife submission. The sentence, including Ephesians 5.22, actually starts at 5.18. Paul commands all believers, be filled with the Holy Spirit, followed by examples of what people do who are filled with the Spirit, concluding with 5.21, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Paul states that mutual submission is required of all believers. He continues the sentence in 5.22, wives to your own husbands without adding the verb submit. The NIV paragraph break after verse 21 is in the middle of a sentence. This is not justified. Okay. I have the, now the NIV, especially the newest rendering of it, has been very dicey, um, not only on word choice, but like where they break things up that, that give impressions of things that aren't that aren't right. Separation. That should be yeah. Right. Like you can blame the chapter split on a monk from like whatever, the 1500s. But like they are but sentence, sentence breaks um, uh, are are on the uh, Bible publishers. Yeah. So. All right. Um. Let's see. Wives to your own husbands with no verbs. Splitting the sentence gives in, uh, into two paragraphs separates wives to your own husbands from the context. Paul gives it three quarters, namely mutual submission. That's true. I, like, I remember teaching through um, Ephesians, and like that was one of the big risks because everyone's waiting for this husband-wife business. And like contextually, he's talking about mutual humility and service as a church body. And – like almost calling out like wives to husbands going, yes, even in that relationship, like the place where we're most likely to get it wrong to the worst effect is places is the people we're closest to and to go, yeah, it's everybody, even that one mm-hmm. type of thing. Uh, originally, there was no verb in Ephesians 5.22, the earliest manuscript of Ephesians 5.22. Uh, do not include the verb submit, nor does it citations by Clement of Alexandria, Origen, and a Teddy of Mospiestia. I'm going to stop you right there. Yep. I don't have any idea what's going on right now. Like, Zero. what do you mean? I don't understand what this uh, article is about. Uh, 
so these, so they're providing you context that like when people want to talk about in Ephesians five about husband wife submission, they tend to start on verse five twenty one. What's the what's the what's the verse that's up for debate? I'll just read it. Or five twenty two. Sorry, twenty two. Well, that's yeah. that's the problem. Yeah. Is that the thing you just asked? But go. Ahead. It's Ephesians five twenty two. Ephesians five twenty two. Okay, but you're supposed to start at eighteen. They say yes. Okay, if I start at eighteen, it says. Uh, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Yeah, so two, so two things. The two things he was getting at was one, context, and second is text itself. So the first one was context that we tend to focus on the husband-wife stuff as a primary teaching or takeaway point when, like, the context of it is actual mutual submission among the church. Right. Like, among believers. Gotcha. So so we got to be careful about overcranking on that. Secondly, and that what version? Was that ESV? Yeah. Okay, interesting. So, like, um, says that the verb submit... Um, it doesn't actually exist when it says um, wives submit to your husbands. Like it gives um, that that verb submit isn't actually in there. Now I think it's implied uh, that as a body you submit to your to to each other, like wives to wives to your husbands yeah. included. I mean, you separate it and put a title there. You have to remind them what they're talking about. Yes, right, exactly. Right. <laughs> right. So yeah, part of that comes a, because it's not you split a new it. Thought. Like, okay, here, take this stuff in. By the way, also, completely separate thought. Wives, wives to your this, husband. husbands, yeah, right. Wait, what? Yeah. Oh, Wait, yeah. What? So, the, so the, so like, if you were to read it in your Bible, you would find a heading that says "wives and husbands" in between the talk of submitting to the Holy Spirit, and then you would see the wives and husbands as if it's a new thought, like yes. it's a subcategory. Yeah. And so the 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 thing is, is like, if we're talking about what it sounds like, you're saying while we're on the subject of submitting. Wives submit to your husbands, but like what it should say, what it should more feel like is why we're on the subject of submitting to the Holy Spirit. This would fall in line with that. Yes, and and it's a, and it's a type of relationship that deserves unique focus because like um, I, this often comes up in my house. You tell me that you don't look at your household, and oftentimes your children are harsher to each other than they are to their friends. Yes, you are not as gracious sometimes with your wife as you would be with somebody else, a friend a friend's wife, something like that, right? You tend to be hardest on and less graceful and merciful to the people that are closest to you. And so, like, contextually, there is a there is a, a consideration that says, yes, this is for everybody, and now, I like, I need you to apply it even to those close relationships where you may have actually caused a problem of niching out something that you shouldn't. Yeah, it's like the parable, it's like the Good Samaritan, yeah. right? Like, even this person would do X, right? Like, so this principle applies even... Even as your mortal enemy or even as your closest ally or yeah. your closest relationship on earth. Okay, yeah, I got it. So then he continues, and let's, we'll get to the um, um, kind of his point. The command that wives submit to their husbands, therefore, should be understood in the context of mutual submission. This context requires that husbands, too, should submit to their wives. In this chapter, Paul call, calls all Christians to mutual submission and sacrificial, sacrificial love. Since Ephesians 5.21 uses the reciprocal pronoun, it cannot refer to submission to superior rank. Rather, it's about submission in the sense of voluntarily yielding in love. This includes husbands and wives within their marriages. Paul's words are crafted to fit the Greco-Roman households he addresses. Paul encourages wives to respect the man who provides them with food, shelter, clothing, companionship, and love. 
but this does not exempt them from loving their husbands. Husbands then, like husbands today, could be emotionally distant and have their separate worlds. They needed to be told to love their wives, and this applies to husbands today. This does not exempt them from respecting their wives. Paul does not give any command here in Ephesians 5 that applies only to husbands. Now, interestingly, like this isn't the only teaching, right? So like I think it would be, be cautious about saying like the full notion of how we think about uh, relationships exists only in Ephesians mm-hmm. 5. But this is a right caution on reading your scripture carefully um, and not proof texting or trying to grab things uh, just to – especially if you're trying to assert a, an authority. I find authority lazy, generally speaking. Like there's a difference between um, responsibility and people who are looking for power because it allows them to be lazy and unthoughtful. The harder work is actually coming to things mutually. The harder work is sacrificing and and being humble on both sides of things. Um, And so like anybody that would reach for this as a bad is using it wrong. Yeah. Um, Well, the harder work is loving your wife as Christ loved the church. Yes. I I mean, that's, that's pretty intense right there. Yes. It's crazy big. Yeah. It's crazy big. And we, it's not sitting back saying, woman, get me a beer. <laughs> right. 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 You know, I mean, interestingly enough, I think that that's a lot. That's where a lot of the, uh, uh, I'll call it societal pushback comes from. Yeah. This kind the, of stuff. A misunderstanding. Is, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. when you, when you have, have, uh, you know, friggin' nincompoops running around as dudes that, uh, are, are, are calling this out and going, Hey, your job is to submit to me and you're a friggin' schmuck in all situations. Don't love your wife very well. All the different stuff makes it really friggin' hard yeah. to look at this and go, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Because it's, it's, it's easy to call out the submission of wives to husbands. Uh, the husbands suck at loving their wives like the like Christ loved the church yeah. just flat out. Yeah, you get to be a distant uh, jerk who's self-centered and selfish in every single yeah. way and then your wife has to do everything you ask. Right. Yeah. That, in your that eyes. Seems, that's good. Yeah. yeah. That, right. That's, yeah, exactly. that's yeah. got Jesus all over. Yeah, me. you are an awful <laughs> husband. Wife, you remember what we read in Ephesians at church last week and then it was also called out I think what first Peter or whatever it is. Uh, yeah. you know, you're supposed to submit to me and I'm the I'm the head of this household and that yeah. means what I say goes and blah blah like foot down crap. Yeah. It's like what a what an awful rendering of what that looks like. And, and like, here's the thing, and I know, especially in our societal context, we get all rubbed up on this kind of stuff. But like, you tell me that the that the the, the scriptural direction, the letters that these guys are writing, are are trying to get at things of which we tend to stink at right. by gender. Like men, yeah. like just tend to stink at like loving and serving their wife it, at when they are at. Uh, remember, we talked about this in the past, but it was like what tends to be a benefit also can be our greatest weakness. What is beneficial for a man who a guy can who can be out in the fields all day and then who can defend his family and and all these types of kind of like <laughs> like aggressive using uh, power and authority to get things done, commanding the the people um, who work for him, that kind of thing uh, can be misapplied to his relationship with his wife. He needs to remind it to love sacrificially and humbly right. for his wife to treat her like we get uh, hyped up uh, about that goblet thing. Don't boss your wife around. Don't treat her like a field hand. This is a woman that is supposed to actually complete you and yeah. and, and refine you, make you a better person. Um there are things like from a from a lady's perspective where like uh, it, it goes back to what uh, what God says back in Genesis. Like there are there are times where um, it's an overstep. It's a it's a desire. Sometimes ladies have a this is true for everybody. Don't send the letters like but like a, a desire to control all the things. Right. And not allow someone to help them and help refine them. And like that's why they're, the, the Bible is talking about mutual things and it tends to target Let's just go with stereotypical, if you need a word, things that men and women struggle with. Mm-hmm. And so be open to that. 
Like, that's what they're trying to get at. But, like, if the core, if these core things are getting at stuff that we want anyway um, and that we that we all agree are probably best for everyone, like, we ought to be super cautious about getting all tied up in some of the examples and words because they're not as nuanced as your personality. It's yeah. interesting. I've never thought of, uh, of of that perspective when it comes to those letters. Like, it literally, it's it's never meant to be an exhaustive list of here's how you live your life from A to Z. It's literally, hey, I know what you've been doing. Like, I've heard about what's happening. Yeah. I, Paul, over here, have I, I, knowing you in Ephesus, I know what you've done. And because of that, I'm sending you a letter of edification to go, this is the right way to do this kind of stuff. It's not exhaustive list of morals and how to live your life. It's, I know this is happening, and I'm calling it out. Same as the letter to the Philippians is different. Same as this. I mean, there's common themes in some of them, but like it basically is knowing who you are. These are the kind of things you need to work on and stuff like that. It's not, well, I have to call this out because you know all women and all men will do this forever. It's just like... It's something that is edifying to them to help them right-size their relationship with each other yeah. as it's reflective of their relationship with the church and Christ. He's kind of hitting both both sides of the coin here, too. It's He's telling us to do things that we are stereotypically not good at, yeah. mm-hmm. and it's feeding into what stereotypically we want to receive. Oh, yeah. That makes sense? Yeah. You, yeah. You, you know, so it's like— Husbands love your wives. What well, your wives need that. <laughs> right, they, right, they need to right. know they're loved and that, that there's some security and they're you know and shelter you know the whole thing. Yeah. And wives submit to your husbands. Well, we we kind of we kind of have egos. We just want someone to feed our ego a little bit. You know that just builds us up. We're building each other up. We're submitting to one another when we right. love each other the way Paul said to do. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's not a game of who's boss. It, it's it's how you love each other best. Yes. Think. Yes. That's exactly right. And so I'm we won't belabor this point because I think we, we kind of touched some of this stuff uh, a number of weeks ago, but like two, I'm going to read these two other paragraphs uh, just because he rounds it out. This passage highlights Christ's love and self-giving, not Christ's authority. It teaches how much love Christ has for the church and therefore how much love husbands should have for their wives. The key point of the analogy Paul stresses is love your wives as Christ loved the church. Not that the husband has authority over his wife, and certainly not that the husband's authority corresponds in any way to the authority Christ has over the church. That would be like deifying husbands. Uh, Ephesians 5.32, this mystery is profound, but I'm speaking about Christ and the church expresses the mystery of Paul's analogy. This understanding of the submission of wives to husbands as one aspect of mutual submission fits Paul's instructions. Far more extensive and also radical in his culture for husbands to love, cherish, and nourish their wives. The following passages about children and slaves use a different verb obey which is true um right. and so anyway i, I just um I, I, I part of the reason this article stood out to me is that this guy's actually dealing with um trying to rightly render the text as opposed to coming to it with a predisposition of i don't like what this says because it doesn't match me or my personality or i think it's offensive in some way and how do i change it um i mean I, you can people can and i have tried to twist scripture even going back to like well the greek says this so that it means something like wild and they've done it inappropriately but like this is an attempt to at least render something wisely and so i thought it was helpful yeah. okay uh let's hit up that article so the question is are you proud to be a uh this is in quotes biblical christian here's why that might be a problem Bov, are you proud to be a biblical christian Careful. I don't have a lot of pride in, in what I do. So. Uh, fair, fair enough. See, now you got to be careful because you're like, well, Ren Collective guy, guy seems like he might say I shouldn't be. So now it puts me in a real pickle. No, uh, I just know you guys will call me out if I say I'm prideful about anything. He said, yeah. uh, I mean, that seems right. I recently pulled my Instagram followers asking them three questions. Is it important to you to be a biblical Christian? Is it important to challenge leaders whose worldview is unbiblical? And have you actually read the whole Bible? 
Okay, these are three, these three questions. <laughs> I love it. Um, I love the third question. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, I'm glad the <laughs> first two questions are there. <laughs> They're just like, yeah, I'm a yeah. Good question. Oh, no. So he's finished it. <laughs> I've never read it. But. Okay, so and, and it's, it's, it did what you think it did. 75% answered yes. It's important to be a biblical Christian. 87% said yes to the second. It's important to challenge leaders whose worldview is unbiblical. And yet only 51% replied yes to the third. I was going to guess 32. So we'll never know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we'll never know if you actually are. Yeah. And think, think of the indignance. 90% of people go, yeah, I should challenge people whose worldview is unbiblical. And half of them have actually read yeah. my What does that say exactly? I don't know. But he's wrong, I tell you. <laughs> Somebody's got a job to do it. this. <laughs> uh, he said, so of my poll takers, and think of this, think of his subsection. People yeah. who are followers of the lead singer of Ren Collective... That's the group. This is not including all kinds of other people. Okay. So of my poll takers, 24% of them find an important part of their identity in a book they haven't read. And 36% are ready to correct unbiblical teaching without having given the source text a a once over. That is fantastic. (laughs) He says other more official statistics tell a similar story. Lifeway research found that only 32% of churchgoers have read the Bible cover to cover at least once. 32. Yeah, there you go. With a mere 9% reading it daily. The point of this is certainly not to shame anyone. Spiritual disciplines are hard to cultivate. But perhaps we do need to change our relationship with Scripture, and that starts with reading it. Historically speaking, we are in an incredibly privileged position. If you're reading this right now, you are at least literate, not something which could be said of many of our ancestors. You also have access to the Bible in your own language, probably in multiple translations. And crucially, you are very unlikely to be beheaded or tortured to death for reading it. I mean, he's right. Dang. The man's not wrong. In the past, Christians were without access to Scripture, meaning they had to take the word of their priest as gospel. Today, we can fact-check the sermon in real time, yet it seems like a good portion of us are happy with blindly believing the preacher. If church history teaches us anything, it is that an uninformed congregation is vulnerable to abuse. Reading the Bible ourselves offers protection from the danger of predatory power structures. I, you know, I was having this conversation with my wife because she was talking about um, a couple different like like studies for the kids or something over the over the summer and I think some video series or something like that. And, oh, I know it was, um, it was in reaction to, um, uh, guys who were, were warning people about the prosperity gospel essentially and the dangers of Hillsong. Okay. That's what this thing was about. Um, and I remember I watched this, uh, preview of this thing. It's supposed to be like a preview. It was like eight minutes long. Uh, so like a bin preview. Then. Yeah. 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 Like the opening of something I might do. And anyway, this guy's going on and on and on about stuff. And I thought, like, you know what solves this problem is reading the scriptures. It's the same reason. And I I gave her the example because we've talked about it in here is that, like, this is why I can go, look, maybe I don't love everything that gets taught from the pastor of Hillsong. But, like, we can listen to Hillsong music if you're discerning about what it is and go, okay, that's biblically true. I can sing that. I don't believe in that. I'm going to let that one go. I said that. But, like, I don't need to watch a video on like as if it's a separate set of knowledge to otherwise filter out crappy teaching if if you have the ability to read scripture like even poorly i'm telling you even even if you're not good even if sometimes you take words in and go i don't even understand the three sentences i just took in i'm telling you some level of faithful bible reading you will be able to sort some of this stuff out well and you should be showing up with your own questions right because like where it it's not quite so simplistic that the regular Joe Schmo can approach the Bible 
and understand everything that's going on here, right? Cultural context goes a long way. Remembering that that like the Canaanites are trouble, right? Like from from earlier, and that you're like these are the same people. Yeah, these are the same people. You know, and so like it, it's some of it. It's it's just a very large book, and like we don't read for deep information anymore. We skim everything, right? You get through news articles on the on the internet quickly. You scan five paragraphs, you move on. You know, and so like we don't read deeply anymore, and yeah. so. Like it's it's not the same prescription as it used to be. Like, do I think people should should spend time in their Bible? Yeah, I do. Do I think that we get less out of it than we would have before the internet was invented? Yeah, I do. I think we struggle with with how fast information is delivered to us and how we tend to take it in. And right, if you do a cursory reading of Ephesians five, you're probably going to be offended. Like, if you take it in the way that it is written in your Bible right now with the spaces and the subheadings, and you're like, ooh, that's going to go over poorly. I wonder, like, but like a faithful Christian goes, well, I'd like to understand this better because this does not match the character of God that I've read at all. And you don't have to deeply understand the origins of the Hittites just to understand God's character through most of it. He says, uh, so after that, he says, but why do we want to wear the adjective biblical as a badge rather than read the book gathering dust on our bedside table? Perhaps it's about belonging. We know that saying we're a biblical Christian is a password to inclusion in the evangelical community. Who says that, by the way? I don't know. I think he does. I've never heard anyone say that. Yeah. You know, one of the interesting things, uh, I was thinking about this a few weeks ago, is that like, um, how do you know, like what feels normal to me? Like, how do I know whether that's normal to everybody else? Because think of how many times we've heard, like read an article and we're like, we don't know anybody that behaves this way. Right. And like Dan goes, Dan has a church that's different than the church that I go, that I have. Right. Like your background is, is different, even, even denominationally different than what my background is. And still I don't recognize some of these behaviors. Mm -hmm. And so like, it's very interesting. Actually, a a traveling Christian band would be a super interesting group of people to talk to about like, Hey man, what are all the things happening? I bet you see the best of it and the worst of it. Oh yeah. Like for sure. I could see that. So he says, um, in fact, we might say biblical when we actually mean an evangelical interpretation of key verses. (laughs) Okay. As a worship leader, I've seen firsthand that every denomination believes the Bible is God's word. It's not like there are non-biblical Christians. Oh, interesting. There are Christians who differ in their interpretation of Scripture, but that doesn't mean they hate the Bible. Reading Scripture regularly and its entirety is important, but we also need to remember the fundamental reason why we read the Bible. For me, it is to establish a connection with the living God. It is the place where I first met him. And it's the element of my spiritual life that shapes and forms me. When I spend time with scripture, my soul shifts toward Jesus. It inspires me as a songwriter for sure, but also to become more like Christ. And I want that for the church. We should aspire to be known as biblical, not because we're ready to battle for it in theological debate or because we have the bumper sticker on our car, but because we look like Jesus. Yeah, that was my, one of my favorite things is, is I saw Rain Collective in concert recently and he's introducing a song. He's like, this is right out of Amos. I'm like, who writes a song out of Amos? <laughs> this is awesome. Biblical Christians do. Biblical Christians yeah. do. Yeah. I mean, he could have nailed it more, right? Like, I just, I, I don't know how many times, like, I start to worry that it's actually not true, that I'm like, are you reading your Bible? Are you reading your Bible? Are you in your God's Word at all? Are you reading or praying? Either one of these things. And, and, and like, 95% of the time, it's like, eh, you know. I'm doing the best I can, and I'm like, hold on right there. Like, I, I was on board with the struggle, but, like, I won't be lied to. You are definitely not doing the best you can. Right. You know, people, I mean, because we got every excuse in the world why we won't do it, why we don't have time for it. But, like, there's absolutely no good reason to not have time 
to shift your heart towards Jesus. And that is honestly where it's done. Like it's it's preaching is is helpful. Like it, to be to be taught things is helpful. To worship is is God mandated. But like to know why you're worshiping or what you're worshiping about, right? You can't know that without the scriptures. You just flat out can't know. And wouldn't you want to know for yourself? Like so you're not getting bamboozled, not being sucked in by ridiculousness or not prone to flights of believing God is behind a thing that he's not, right? I just, yeah. I don't understand, like, I know that I fail in this area, but I would never be like, yeah, I'm doing the best I can. This is the best I can muster. That's a flat lie. It is definitely not the best you can muster. If I told you dilly bars were available in your basement at 6.30 every morning, as long as you get up and get them, dilly bars and 15 bucks, I'm going to pay you every morning. Yeah. You, know, you know what you'd find? Mike Foose down there, six six twenty five, waiting for, waiting for the dilly bar stand and yeah. the fifteen bucks to come out. Yeah, and I'd be there all the time. You'd, I would never fail. Every morning I'd be. Yeah, yeah. It's like uh, it goes back to you know all the for all the Christian content that's out there. Like ninety five percent of the things that I might worry about my kids or the folks in the church or the youth group or something getting a getting a hold of and leading them astray. Faithful Bible reading and prayer. At some level, basic level of understanding keeps 95% of the stuff at bay. 5% of the stuff is really subversive. Like, it's it's so craftily intertwined that some guy could defend his position on something that I believe to be unbiblical, and he could support it using all the scriptures in the world. But that's very rare. The vast majority of the things are, like, easily sniffed out. So, like, treat your Bible as your as, like, that's your hometown pastor. So when you go somewhere else and someone starts talking, you go, yeah, but my pastor at home said this. <laughs> like, I, it's your Bible. <laughs> yeah, and treat your prayer life as your counselor, yeah. right? Instead of discussing it ad nauseum with all Christians around you, did you even ask the living God? Did you ask your dad what the deal was? Did you say, hey, this seems outrageous, or like, I'm super worried about my kids. Can you give me any peace or comfort? Can you show me what this is going to look like? I'm in either way, but like, can you help me understand this different? And like... God's a God who gives good gifts. He's a good daddy. And you didn't ask him at all. You just kind of rolled around thinking it over for like six weeks, figuring you did just come to you. You know, what's interesting is, and this this is kind of tangential, but I'm, I will, I'll try to sum it up quickly. Um, in any of the uh, realms of the, the junk that goes on in my brain, and when I'm at my lowest points, it's when I don't... Uh, have uh, a good focus on truth is probably the best way to put it. Um, I start believing a lot of lies and a lot of stuff just goes crazy out of whack, right? The exact same situation that helps me in my mental state and, and my emotional trauma response thing is the exact same help and thing that I need in my relationship with God. The Bible is my root of truth. It is a collection of stories uh, and and teachings that tell us exactly who God is from his mouth and and his word come to life. And it is a a constant right sizing in how things work. And when I'm in in the best strides of my relationship with Christ is when all the other crap can exist, but I always have that truth to go back to. And it is a daily thing that I can go – I can believe that I don't trust God because of blah, blah, blah. But like, nope, I'm in my Bible and I'm praying. And I know that's right because I've read it over and over again. God's shown me that over and over again. I've prayed through this over and over again. It's the exact same thing. My brain needs the same thing in my spiritual life as I do in my mental trauma life. I just need to be reminded of true things so that all the gunk goes away and no longer holds power. Yeah. 
So, so Boove and I have been doing this lately, last couple couple weeks, right? We've been on accountability train with each other, make sure we're reading the scriptures. Tell me, has it made a difference in your life, Boove? Freaking huge difference. Huge. Insane. Huge. I, I know I know that I've screwed up, right? And then, and like, I was down about it. Like, I don't know, I ran my mouth or something I shouldn't have done, you know? And I'm like, why do I always do this, you know? And like, and like the old feeling crept in where I'm like, God has got to be so disappointed in me, right? You know? And then Jude goes, you're called, beloved, and kept. Those right. three things are true for you right now. Right. And I'm like, man, it's, that's true. Okay, it's like that's he gave true. us this book or the collection of books as a, as a thing to go like, hey, point back to this. Yes. I'm still here. I did not leave. No matter what the world is doing, no matter what your earthly temptations or your fallen nature says, come back to me because I did not move. You moved because you started walking away, but I never changed or moved. I still love you. I still come to you where I'm at. I'm still the freaking dad that runs to you and hands you a ring and a robe. Nothing has changed. You tried to walk. I'm still here. So, and, and like you can only speak that confidently about it if you read it. <laughs> you weren't just told it. You know it. Yeah. Right? And like, and, and it is like it starts to get into the spiritual realm too, right? You're like opening up to God and saying, hey, I, I want to be in relationship with you. It's very obvious you want to be in relationship with me, right? Like, what what do you want me to know? Like, what? it's why people can read the Bible a thousand times and have a thing pop out, and you're like, mercy, not sacrifice. What the heck does that mean? <laughs> I glazed over that last time I was right, in here. Yes. Why is this poking me in the eye right mm-hmm. now, you know? And, like, the Holy Spirit does that. Yeah, totally. I was We were doing a share week at church this week, and I was reading back through some stuff, and, like, the thing that I shared that I, we didn't want to not— <laughs> like leave behind from Matthew one to seven. Like I taught the thing and the thing that I shared wasn't even something that I taught as I was reading back through. I thought, heck man, that really sticks with me. <laughs> and it didn't even come up as part of the teaching. And so like, it's just, it, it's, it makes me think about um, even my, even my marriage. Like I feel like I cannot get more than, t- more than one thing right at a time. Right. As soon as something gets my attention, I'm going to let something else go and it's going to fail. And so I'm constantly playing badminton, like trying to try not to like suck in some way or another. And like there's a reason constant scripture reading like has to be there is because like as humans, we just tend to gravitate toward like a thing, a one thing. And like this is how people can get on the um, we get all fired up on social justice, which you like again, right context. You should. I'm for it if you're doing it rightly and in the right thought. Uh, but, like, you become blind to everything else, like calling people to repentance, <laughs> right? And, and, and recognizing how, like, you can, you can change behavior, but it doesn't, it doesn't actually shift the world unless you're actually changing hearts, right? But, like, we can get so focused on something that in and of itself is a good thing that, like, without constantly reading Scripture and having it, like, continue to build out and frame up your walls – you can create your own what seems like a really good blindness, right? Mm-hmm. And so, like, scripture reading goes, God, there's like a million things to know about God. You can't remember them all. And so you're reading. <laughs> the Israelites suck, too. That's why they need, put rocks places. <laughs> exactly. Like, it's, it's, you need the reminder of all. I don't know how many times, like, I, like I get on a trip about something, and then I read some different letter by some different guy. And I was like, oh, yes, that was the, that was the yang. That was the balance to the thing that I'm, that I'm over here. Right. Uh, God says, sacrifice, honor me as holy. And then he says, I want mercy, not sacrifice. If both are true now, what now, how do I live? Um, and so like, yeah, it's totally, it's totally important. Yeah. You've been, you've been listening live from the path. I just feel like we got to get away. Like, and I don't even feel like we do this anymore. It just feels like such an old school thought that like your daily Bible reading is a measure of like your value or quality as a Christian. And like, nobody thinks that I don't think that. 
I think you're foolish for not doing it. I think I'm foolish for not doing it. Yeah. Right? You're missing out on a thing. This is not, no one's measuring you, right? We're talking about availability to the God of the universe. And you're like, yeah, I'll see if I can swing by maybe sometime. Right. I don't know. It's like going to your grandma's house where you know they're going to talk for two hours. You're like, ah, oh, I really should go, but it's just going to be horrible. That is not my experience in Bible reading, right? You get there and you're like, this is home. I love being here. Yeah. And I've, I've been putting this off for what? Right, so I could mow the yard again. I don't know. That sounds dumb. Yeah, I mean it's 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 similar to actually let's see, use your fifteen dollars. Oh, make it twenty bucks because it's a single bill. Twenty dollars in a well, dilly bar. I, maybe that doesn't get people excited anymore. Let's call it a cool seventy-five bucks. Seventy-five dollars in two dilly bars. I'm still pretty two excited di- about twenty bones. I'm no, no, two dilly bars and seventy-five bones. Okay, every morning it's down there. You would be like, I mean, it's not going to harm you if you leave it down there. But like, why? <laughs> yeah. Like, why would you? Why would you do yeah. that? At, like you're you being cost yourself. You're being foolish. Yes. Yeah. All you had to do is get your pasty buns out well, of bed and go get it. Actually, let me. Let, so this that metaphor breaks down because it's not. It's it's harmful not to read scripture. Actually, like if you go forever, like you're not interacting in that way. Yeah. Plus, if they leave the dilly bars out of the freezer, they're gonna start to stink. That's gonna be a mess. Yeah. But well, but the, but your neighbor's not gonna come over and yell at you. Yeah. Right. I, I, yeah. That, that's probably the right the right comparison. <laughs> you're leaving dillies on the table. Yeah. Too many dillies. Leaving dillies on the table. <laughs> right, I'm going to put that on a t-shirt. Yeah. If you want that on a t-shirt, you need to let us know. That'll get you and- arrested in Houston. What? 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 <laughs> That's another t-shirt. Never One out of four. That's how this happens. <laughs> Dad thought it was funny. What a weird drama. <laughs> it's because the phrase dillies in Houston could go many different ways. <laughs> I haven't been reading. <laughs> no. No, I haven't been reading. All right. Hey, maybe that be a good reminder. Maybe you had something to kick off the year for Bible reading, and let's say it's failed, and uh, people are tired of reminding you of it. Uh, Life from the Path is here to encourage you. Just pick it up, man. Start small if you have to. Get in the, get in the habit of it. But, like, um, it's it serves. It's, it's, it's a ministering item to be in your scripture consistently and so hop back on that train uh and if you need an accountability man it sounds like mike and uh and boover are accountable so like uh we'll put you, you on the text string yeah yeah so just send Happily. your uh they, like give us the text uh message on the old uh, live from the path complete line and they'll, they'll throw you in on it you don't even have to identify yourself you can be a mystery man if you want to be i don't care yeah i don't care either okay i'll make it happen don't don't put mike on it Okay, I'm doing a Jude study and it's hard to write down the twenty thousand verses i have to go cross-reference and so i haven't been saying read first samuel so I've just been saying okay. No, but do you want to know what he has been saying? What? Nothing. <laughs> oh, he's not. He's not. You're There's being... not a. There, he's he's posturing as though the the other opportunity for him to say is just like, hey man, did the study again today? Which interestingly enough is what he told me he would do yeah. Yeah. when he first said, I'm not really going to be reading anything specific. I'm gonna be doing a study, so I'm just gonna let you know when I do the study every day. And I go killer. That has not happened. Have once. not heard from him. <laughs> he will respond when I text him and say, got it. Yeah. Like. As in, I received your text message. <laughs> <laughs> he texted at 11.45. I'm in bed. Yeah. What, really? I texted 11.45 yeah. one time, and that's because my phone didn't send it three hours prior. Amateur. Hey, I get up early. This is Amazon, the right place for us to have this conversation. Sorry. Amazon came to my house at four this morning and woke up my dog and delivered a package. What? Yeah. Four in the morning? I mean, fortunately, I was already awake, but I'm like, <laughs> it, it says, your, your thing's on the map. You know, I'm like, what? Your 10 stops away. I'm like, what? And all of a sudden, my ring doorbell, there's someone at your front door, and the dog goes, hey. Just, sorry, you just kind of triggered me there. I love that. That's an Amazon guy that goes, you know, if I get up early, I go home early. Here's the- Man, that was, that's just that's those are, early. Dan, that- those are contracted. You know that? Yeah. Like, those I are independent that. contractors. I what, did not know that. So do they give you the van? It? 
Yeah, like like you can use the van. I think there's a rental thing related to it, but like like Pete, you can own a an Amazon route. So it so it does work the way. Like guy gets up, if he can get his packages delivered by three o'clock, he's done. When do you guys feel like you got old? I haven't. You haven't? Okay, Ben. No, I'm I'm sprightly. Mike. No, a couple years ago. A couple years ago. Okay, I think I'm on the Mike wagon. I, I recently had a long conversation about the anger I felt in my heart for how much it costs to get a cold cup of coffee at the Caribou Coffee, and I'm willing to call them out by name. Yeah, that's because fair. I pulled up to the joint and they said are you a member? And I said, no. And they went, what's your phone number? Instead of, would you like to join? And I've taught salespeople before. So I went, I know what you're doing. Yeah. I was very tired at the time and just gave them my number, (laughs) which was dumb. Admittedly, thankfully they have not. But then I went, I would like just a black iced coffee, please. And they went, okay, we have cold brew. And I went, I don't want cold brew. That's $5, right? She goes, yeah. I was like, I want a cup of black coffee with just ice in it. And she goes, well, the, ho- the coffee comes hot. And I went, I'm aware of that. I'm, I'm aware of how coffee works. <laughs> yep. you have ice I cubes, just right? need you. I, I know you could, that cold brew is going to have ice in it. I need you to just start from a cup of black coffee and then get to that point. And it broke down so gloriously that like I, I just went, just give him the cold brew. <laughs> <laughs> and she went, great. That'll be five fifty-five. Oh. And I was like, thanks for joining the club. Right. I gave her my number and five fifty-five. My wife is you. my wife is sitting right next to me, and I went five fifty-five for a cup of black coffee. Yep. Oh, you done got got. Now, here's the, the deal. Caribou. I've I've got the best job I've ever had in my life, and like the Lord has blessed me in many wonderful ways to where five dollars isn't a friggin' bank breaker anymore. But like, I feel like it was, and I was like, I can't do this. And so I pull up one car length, and I look at my wife. I go, There is nothing that is going to keep me in this line to pay five fifty five for that cold brew coffee. I'm not doing it. And she goes, you can't just pull away. I was like, I absolutely can. The she second this person number. pulls it up for me and I have an out, I'm getting out of here. And she just goes, are you serious? I'm like, I'm dead serious, woman. This is my foot to the ground. I'm not paying five fifty five for a cold brew coffee. And I drove away and it was like the greatest feeling of my life. Like it was my way of putting it to the man. And I was like, uh-uh, you ain't going to get Booba penny five fifty five for no cold brew coffee. And she called you three times, and literally, my <laughs> wife was like, "I think I just saw a gray hair form in your beard when that happened." And I was like, "If this is what aging looks like, I'm fine with it. It's I'm fine heart. getting old if that means I refuse to stay in line for the uh, cold brew coffee. That means it took longer and it sat in your fridge for three days. You should not charge me double for it. I'm tired of this." So that that brings up an interesting question: Are there anything that you behaviors that you do that you're aware of? That like most people would consider socially awkward, but you insist upon it. I can think of one, but like, do you guys have self-examination, any? or are you saying for somebody else? No, uh, I don't do anything like that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. okay, I can tell a story. Okay, Hold on. I'll tell mine first. Okay, so like, I don't, I don't like uh, social confrontation at all. Uh-huh. Like, I will overpay. Like, I totally to pay. I to pay if they said, look, nine eighty five. I probably wouldn't even have mentioned it. <laughs> I'd be like, that seems a little stiff. I, but I would not have said anything. I would have just paid the nine eighty five. I don't care. So I like do not get into social confrontation. However, uh, and my wife has noted this, and 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 surprise is like when you go, when you buy anything from the Bass Pro Shop, they go, they always go, uh, okay, and what's your phone number? And I go, no, thank you. 
And this doesn't feel wrong to me. I'm like, what, what do they need to know? Yeah, I said, it yeah. doesn't even tell them what it used to tell them, right? I do like, that right. Harbor Tools. I'm like, I, I don't need to know. No, it's not your business. Harbor Freight, whatever it's called. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I don't give out my phone number yeah. uh, for multiple multiple reasons. Uh, one, I don't want to get because they're not even doing me the courtesy of asking, do I want to receive the mailer? Right. Do I want to yes. be on the yeah. list? Right. And so I find it rude. And then second of all, like it used to tell you they could figure out based upon your phone number like where you were driving in from right so like where's our uh -huh. that's they were using it for for a geographical yeah. studies like your phone number doesn't tell you that anymore, Not anymore it no. hasn't for a long time so it's even it's useless yeah. and so but it's weird like it's where i put my foot down uh and like and actually that's a, a, i was in the bass pro hey by the way uh this is a uh, local so uh but like the, the bass pro in altoona has like one of those uh gun firing ranges like with the toy gun with the oh, little yeah. laser thing yeah. and you can shoot targets it's free like, I think the change machine is broken, and so it's been free for like two or three months. <laughs> oh, yeah. So if you're bored on a Saturday. Just swing on in there, shooting shooting deer and stuff with these with these rifles. That's awesome. Um, but anyway, like at that door, they got a lady who sells vacations. Oh, yeah. Uh -huh, yeah. Right. And like, I just, I, I am so rude for a man who does not like deal, I don't like to deal with social interaction very well. I'm like, hey, have you heard about, I said, no. And I will never will. Like I was like, un <laughs> it maybe it's normal. It just felt super aggressive to coming from me because I don't do that. But like everywhere else, like I said, I'd pay the nine eighty five. I wouldn't it's even whatever. think about it. But like that, I draw a firm line and I refuse. Well, and they're kind of invading you there. That's what I feel right. like. Yeah. It embarrasses my it's, wife. It's all yeah. sales tactics. It's because if you yeah. can't, if it's not a yes or no question that you feel you have power over, well, I do have a phone number. I guess I could call it out right now. Yeah. They're not asking you, oh, do you have a phone number you'd like to use? Just what's your phone number? Right. So it seems awkward psychologically to say no. Now, the Harbor Freight uh, tool place the other day, I bought something and they asked the number. I said, oh, no, no that's, I'd rather not. Thank you. And they're like, well, you can't return these without. I'm like, I guess I won't return them. No right. I mean, I'm just like, ooh. Whoa. Oh, no. <laughs> it's like, whatever you buy, you can't return unless you gave me your phone number. I can't number. give you this $7 like, I can't machine give you my back? receipt that you're going to give me? No, right. you got to get the phone number. <laughs> I'm sure. Discrimination against people who don't have phones. Yeah. Like, right. there's, there's always a way around that. Oh, jeez. So I called the I called a hotel because I had booked a hotel in my wife's name, right? But it was with my free hotel points. So I called them to make sure that when she got there that they were going to give her a bunch of harassment. They're like, hey, why we got you on the phone? Um, and you're a premium diamond member. Um, we, we'd like you to talk to these people real quick. I'm like, yeah, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, sure. And it's a vacation dude. Yeah. And he's yeah. like, yes. blah, 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 Mr. Foos, blah, 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 blah. So I heard you're interested in taking a vacation on our dime. And I go, no, I didn't say anything like that. <laughs> and he goes, well, here's the places. And he's like, Vegas or Tallahassee or Ohio or something rather. And he's like, which one of those sounds best to you? And I go, I don't, I'm not going to any of those places. I'm going on my own vacation that I've chosen beforehand that had you weren't involved in. <laughs> and he goes, he goes, are you saying no to a free vacation? And I go, yeah, I'm going to pay full price for the one that I want brain. to go on. And I don't want to go on any of your Vegas vacations or whatever you're saying. He goes, I, I really feel like you're being foolish. And I go, that's a little forward, isn't it? <laughs> I'm like, you don't know anything about me, friend. And I, second of all, like this whole thing sounds shifty. I go, do I get my 200 bonus points? They said if I talk to you, I got 200 bonus points. He goes, well, not if you're going to take the, not take the free vacation. I go, so you're a liar and a philanthropist. So you're going to take my money, give it to other people, and then you're not going to give me my 200 points? He goes, do you want to talk to my manager? I go, is he the same cloth as you? Because no. I like, it doesn't feel like there's an innocent dude working at your place. I said, give me my 200 points or give me your full name. Click. He was done. I said, well, I guess. 
Did, get my did you get your 200 points? Yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> I actually really like social confrontation. It doesn't bother me at all. I, I, having witnessed Mike's brand of social confrontation on many occasions, it is one of my favorite things to observe in the wild. Yeah. It is literally like watching a National Geographic episode. Oh, like It is fantastic awesome. to see Mike in his element as just a general. Like He seems like the kind of guy that wears work boots and knows everything you need to know about the kind of generator that he's standing next to. Because he's like, I don't, I don't care about what you're saying. I have no desire to do what you want me to do, and I'm not going to. And I have no problem looking you in your face and saying to you, no, absolutely not. And, and like you just see the customer service and sales training just crumbling off of them like a facade. It's makeup in the rain as, as friggin' Mike's like, no. I'm willing to look you in the face, and when you do that, tr- the trigger phrase of, are you saying no to a free vacation? No, I'm saying no to an idiot that's asking a stupid question. <laughs> and it's like, that's Mike. I hate There's sales power so in that. much. And it, I'm the same guy that Ben can attest to the fact that I will make best friends with a friggin' waiter for 48 minutes for no reason other than I don't want to not tell him about my tattoos to offend him, and I become best buddies with the guy that needs to tell me about war stories and all the gr- like weird details about his girlfriend. I put my foot down on that recently, and life has gotten better. <laughs> I, I stopped. I stopped texting people back and going, "Hey, man, we should get together." If they say that, if I don't agree with it, I don't mention that part of the text. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. If you said, "Hey, we should get together," wouldn't that be fun? I don't have to answer that. Yeah, I don't have to respond. That to sounds it. like a general I, statement. I, I, yeah, exactly. You've made a statement that you feel is is in your opinion correct. I have no reason to tell you you're wrong, but I'm not going to say it back. So. Live your best life. Hope everything's good. Man, life has gotten better. For so many years, I was like, you friggin' boobs, you're so angry all the time. Nowadays, I'm like, I think I need to be a little angry in this situation. Just be like, no, I'm not going to do that. You I feel like it's being more honest to people. It really yeah. is. Yeah. I stopped avoiding the people that try and sell me AT&T at the Costco. Yeah, I, I used to walk around avoid, them uh, yeah. and avoid them and stuff. Now I just walk right past them. Yep. They're like, hey, do you have blah, 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 blah? And I go, I have a cell phone and I'm happy with it. And I walk past them. And I'm like, I didn't have to lie to them. And I didn't have to freaking shysty go around the corner and pretend like I was getting <laughs> a new membership to go in the other door. your way out the door. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like I'm going to tinkle toes past anybody. Like that's not a situation. <laughs> Oh, I boy. tell them I have a company phone. And they're like, oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> I'm That's on my really parents' weird. plan. They're like, you look like a grown man. <laughs> I tell you what, my you wife will one. never go car shopping with me again. I am so horrible. I mean, I was so mad at that guy. And I told him, and I was in the middle of describing how much I didn't like him when he was walking up. <laughs> the guy goes, I don't think we can get this deal done. I go, well, I guess we're leaving then. And then I got my car and left. And then he called me when I got home. He's like, I think we can make your payments work. I'm like, I don't know if I want to come back in there. <laughs> <laughs> we had that chance. Oh boy, good stuff. All right, you listen to life from the path. Oh. Hey, what? Uh, I'm kind of curious. What socially awkward thing do you do that uh, embarrasses your friends and family when you do it? When you're out and about, you can go hit the life from the path complaint line five one five five one seven zero zero eight five. Call or text the uh, Bob Eisenhower live from the path uh, completely. And tell us the like the weird stuff too, because there's some anonymity behind this. We're not gonna like look up your phone number like Bass Pro Shops might. Like we yeah. don't know you probably. And so if you text us, tell us the real nitty gritty stuff. We'll talk to you about it. But what edges at the club? Right. I have, might. I might number. get you involved in an accountability conversation. Life though, in the path. Just club. a heads up.
Yeah, here, here. If, if this may encourage you at all, Mike is responsible for the Life from the Path text club, which means when he says sign up for promotional material and daily updates, it ain't going to happen. I ain't going to send you nothing. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, my family got me. They, uh, I got, a, I got, I was, I, I don't know, I wasn't paying attention. And then I heard my phone go off like a text message, and I'm like, that's weird, you know? It's kind of late at night. No one texts me ever. And so I go looking at it. It's like 8.30, and I'm like, hey, this is Dallas Jenkins. I'm like, them people signed me up for The Chosen. <laughs> so Dallas D- Jenkins, like, texts me every couple of weeks. And, like, I don't have the heart to, like, get rid of him, but I respond to his texts. I'm like, stop texting me, Dallas. It sounds like you're talking to a thousand people. It's rude. <laughs> he doesn't respond back. Okay, ready? Oh, oh, hey, that reminds me. How I need some. I, I need some advice. It's not quite dear life from the path, but I, I got a. I got a, a text message from a man. I want to say like four weeks ago, maybe six weeks ago, and it was a guy holding up a fish. <laughs> Older gentleman. Yeah. He had, he had caught a fish and said like like they're really biting today or something. And what I thought at the time, I saw this, and I thought, I'm going to go to the store and get some Vandy Camps, <laughs> and I'm going to selfie myself with these Vandy Camps fish and go, said, uh, the sticks are biting too, and send it back to him. I thought this was kind of funny. Yeah. So I never do it. Okay. I, a week and a half goes by. I forget to do it. Uh, he sends another text message, a nice one, something about me being his friend or something like that. I never did the fish thing, and so now I'm like, okay, I got to figure out a, a nice thing right back to that man. I forget that too. Two days ago, he says, uh, happy birthday. <laughs> Is it too late? No. Should I just ignore it? Or do I, do I, no. need to, should I respond it. back to this? No, man? stop it. No. You're, no, Buva, you say, thanks, man. Appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like we're growing apart, though. No, he'll figure it out eventually. <laughs> I just happened to me a couple of times. Somebody was texting me pictures of kids. And they're like, here's them opening the presents. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, cool. And then they send me another picture of these kids later, like with their grandpappies or whatever. They're like. I love these moments, and I'm like, I'm so glad you get to have them. I said all kinds of true things. <laughs> so glad you get to have them. <laughs> this is the same guy that couldn't take in a Panera Bread. <laughs> I'm tell- it's I, I, Eventually, she's like, uh, I think the gal ended up saying something like, do you ever get a chance to come out to California? We'd love to see you again. I'm like, I don't think I'm going to make it. Uh, and so uh, I just, I've actually never been to California. She's like, who is this? I'm like, this is Mike. <laughs> I think I have the. I let her figure it out that she had a wrong number on her own. That's creepy. And then she, why? Because you were responding this whole time, and they thought you were someone, and you knew you were not that someone. I don't know what they think. Maybe they sent pictures. Oh yeah. Of all kinds when of they, when they sent those text messages, you said you've never been to California, and they went, "Wait, who is this?" And you somehow were still in the camp. And then and I you was don't take, know what they think. I was taken back. I'm like, maybe they don't know who I am. I'm Mike, by the way. Oh. I'll stop sending you pictures. I still keep sending them. Them kids are good-looking kids. And then, then I never got no more texts. That's because you're a creeper. Yes, agreed. <laughs> Someone sent you photos of kids, man. That's oh, weird. Awesome. They're kids opening presents. Regular it doesn't photos. matter. Ah, people are too sensitive. I love people. <laughs> you can okay. ignore the text, man. Okay, I'm open to that, too. Life from the bath, Bob Lies, another complaint line. Tell me your best uh, missed, uh, miss, misdialed. How do you say? Missed, or wrong number. No, no. So ask him if you say, like, hey, thanks, man. Did I miss your birthday? And then he'll tell you when his birthday is, and then you can put him in your phone, and then you can wish him happy birthday every year.
You fish- can ask this person <laughs> if they need a pen pal, if that's what you're looking for, Mike. You can just go, hey, you've got the wrong number, but do you want to stay friends regardless? That is a more genuine way to do that than for you to just parade around like they have the right number <laughs> yeah. and yeah. just continue the conversation. I would definitely do that. I've done it before where someone has texted me something that very obviously wasn't supposed to come to me. I sent a picture of myself back and went, hey, Kate, my name's Troy. I'm not actually Alex. I think you've got the wrong number, but if you want to be friends, this is what I look like if you ever see me out in the wild. That was a creepy thing to do, and I did that, and I wish I wouldn't have. Probably I should have just freaking ignored it. No, you should have totally done exactly what you did. <laughs> you can block a number. It's very easy to yeah. Missed connections. Dear, live from the path. My in-laws live out of state, and they would stay with us when they visited. Mm-hmm. Once my son was born, I told my husband they would need to stay in a hotel because we no longer have the room. Yep. They are also the most disrespectful house guests, <laughs> and I have terrible insomnia. My mother-in-law speaks to me only when my husband is around, and my father-in-law complains about everything. Our streaming services, saying I need to buy more towels, and complaining that we don't have soda. I've tried to explain <laughs> to my husband that they send my anxiety into the next dimension, but because none of this happens when he's around, he doesn't understand. I've had to ask my doctor to give me a small supply of medications for my nerves. Whoa, what? Since they've been staying in a hotel, they complain about the cost and the accommodations. I've offered to pay for a rental. Now she's telling my husband she will buy a sleep sofa for when they visit. I've tried telling my husband all the reasons why this is not a good idea, but it always ends up in an argument. Am I being unreasonable? And should I just suck it up a few weeks a year? Or should they respect the fact that having them as a house guest does not work for our family? A few weeks. Weeks. I mean, I suppose one week vacation two or three times is a few weeks. Yeah, yeah, that's true. If you went on two week-long vacations a year, would you use both of them to go stay with your kid? No. I don't... I don't have a kid, but most of my vacations. I mean, I like my kids, but I just don't, I don't know. Yeah, hey, can I impose on you for a week? <laughs> that seems weird. I feel like every vacation I've ever taken has been to go to a relative. Do you stay at their house? Most of the time, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Buy a, is this proposition that they want to purchase a couch for their personal use while they're at their house? Yeah, that's yeah, really Sleep weird. couch. This No, no, this whole thing needs That'd to go no. away. That'd be a hard no. Also, yeah. what kind of boob of a husband, like, just because he's not there when this happens means that he just does not believe in it at all, yeah. and therefore it couldn't possibly have he's happened? He's probably totally used to this. Like, he grew up this way, and so this doesn't, yeah, like, no ring yeah. funny to him at all. It there's is a, overall terrible. There's a lot of angles here. Because, yeah. like, be more generous uh, if it's a couple weeks, yeah. Uh, don't be nearly as generous because the, the parents are weird and are expecting way too much. Your husband's a bit of a boob yeah. and uh, may not be understanding where you're coming from, but it's because he might suck in general. At uh, Like, if that turns into an argument? Yeah. And also, what's going on with the point that this gets you to the place where you need to get extra medication, too? Yeah. Like, there's a lot of... I like the boundaries of, of okay, if you're going to come, you got to go find your own place. Yeah, yeah, and, I think it's fine. And then, then they Especially can decide the how long they want to stay. That's how much it costs. I, I mean, think it's perfectly logical based on the fact they have a kid. We don't have the room. Sorry. Yeah. I, I mean, sell, I, Dan's right. It's self-limiting. If you yeah. can only afford three days, then you only stay three you days. You get three days. Yeah. I mean, or I, get an RV. I, I, yeah, yeah. I think you'd have to cut some of the, the chaff away from here. Like uh, the fact that you had a kid and have no more room in your place. Like this is hard to believe. Like those kids don't take up any reasonable room until they're like 12. I was going to say they also can sleep in your room. All you have to do time. is be like, hey, man, you going to sleep on the couch tonight? Yeah. <laughs> you know, hey, you want to have a camp out in the living room? Yeah. 
Hey, you want to sleep in the tub? We'll put a bunch of blankets in there and stuff. And you can keep your iPad. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, they go to school, realize they don't actually have their own bed. Dad just always makes weird camping stories up. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like these kids are not a burden in taking up a bunch of room, you know? And so like, that's not quite right. And like, I realized they kind of put you on edge. And, and so like, before we result to medication, it's probably better just to take care of the situation. But like, we could also learn some coping uh, responses to some things. Right. So we're not overwhelmed by the fact that like two people are there for a short period of time. Like there's an end in sight. They're not like degrading your place or vandalizing the place. They're, they complain all the time. Uh, people do that when they get older. Uh, yeah. Like some of this stuff goes into um, it's okay to have conversations with people. You just need to not be angry about it. Right. So if a guy goes, uh, if, the, if the father-in-law is like, oh, there's never any soda around here. It's like, well, you know what, Dale? There's a Piggly Wiggly yeah, down exactly. the road there. Yeah, yeah. You've been to the so. HEB recently? It's right down the road. Yes. Yeah. I mean, or you could just pick up soda for the guy. You know what I'm saying? Like, like these are these are 50-50 questions. Do I think the guy's probably over-complaining and not reading the crowd? Yeah, obviously. Uh, you know, but like, ah, oh, sorry, man, we don't keep any soda around because generally we don't drink it. Uh, if you're running to the store later, you can grab some or I can get some while I'm out. You know, either way. Here's the biggest thing that, that I, I'm going to tell you. If you're in a place where, like, just the the presence of your in-laws being real pains in the butt are are so much so that it's causing you to need to be medicated, I think you need to take them off a bit of a pedestal and maybe even not just a pedestal, but, like, stop giving so much weight to what they say. Like, they're your friggin' in-laws. They seem like cranky people in certain situations. I'm sure they're just fine, whatever. But, like, if it's hitting you that hard for them to be around and go, well, you don't have, you know, towels, and oh, I really wish y'all got HBO instead of stars, it sounds like whatever. Okay, thanks, Dad. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, thanks, Phil. <laughs> really appreciate it. Hey, guess what? We have the same subscriptions we had last year. You want to pay for it? Yeah. <laughs> like, great. Hey, don't did you bring couch. your own towel this time? <laughs> I told you to, didn't I? Whatever. Yeah. It doesn't need to hit you like a freight train. It yeah, can just yeah, yeah. be people. And so it doesn't get diagnosed as this, right? It's people like, hey, you got you got high anxiety or high depression. And like, honestly, you have high arrogance, right? Like you've put yourself in the middle of the problems that are their problems. You have the right amount of towels for your family. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So what are you worried about? The streaming service seems to be fine at your house. They're obviously wrong, right? So like when it's it's jovial, as people come in and go, hey, man, this studio that you guys have why isn't there like 50 microphones? And it, I wouldn't personally be offended, be like, because we don't need 50. Like this request you're making is ridiculous. Yeah. And yeah. so like if you're of a reasonable mind and you're not putting yourself in the line of personal offense and going, hey, obviously I am so important that I should have furnished 50 microphones for a studio that needs five, right? Like, like you're not looking at life correctly. Like there's a level of arrogance in there that you're inserting yourself in situations that are so obviously have nothing to do with you. Yeah. Like, there's enough towels for your family. The streaming service works fine, and you don't drink soda. That's why you don't have any of those things. And so you should rest easy at night going, yeah, it would be ridiculous for me to keep 48 cans of Coke Zero in here that no one will ever drink. That would yeah, be dumb. You're going to go bad by the second time this year you showed up to our place for a week. That's right. It's, it, it's not anxiety. It is arrogance. It's not anxiety. You are thinking too highly of yourself that you would put yourself in the middle of someone else's problem. God, that is a right but tough cut. Yeah. I think we should soak. I feel like we should soak it in. A lot of times our anxiousness is related to our, uh, like, it's a lack of humility. Um, or, uh, frankly, yeah, or allowing, uh, investing in the thoughts of fallible humans and allowing them yeah. control over your life. It sounds harsh. I hear what you're saying. Yeah. But I think Go it's, buy Phil a Dollar General t- towel. It's good and right, Harsh. I think it's right. 
Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. It is right. And it, like um, the and I think I've said this recently in relation to things like that. It doesn't mean that it's easy to let go of, but you do still need to deal with the reality that it is that. Right. Like you, you can um, all the all the medication does is tamper down your physical reaction to this. But the core problem still is there. is that like you are uh, worried about uh, the opinion of people who seem to be fickle uh, and are trying to, uh, and you feel like you have a burden in an unreasonable way of service in your house that just doesn't make any sense. And so you need to be able to sort that out logically and be able to let, like keep what's good. Uh, like, Hey, if they expressed uh, these things and maybe they were cranky about it, but Mike, to your point, if it's a way that you can show love and service to them, then maybe pick up a few things or whatever. And that's all right. And so if there's a way to grow from it, then do so. Otherwise you got to be able to let it go. You got to be able to not allow it to, to, to invade your life like that. Hmm. Secular says, your in-laws appear to be quite a handful. Your solution about them staying in a hotel or rental when they visit is sensible since they are unpleasant to be around when their son is absent. If, however, your husband won't back you up, consider spending as much time away from the house as you can during these visits. It will give grandma and grandpa more time to bond with the little one and save your sanity. <laughs> hide from the oh, hide from geez. the vacation guy. The day Sandra's I leave, never here. The day I leave my own house because someone is coming to it and I don't stand at the door and go... <laughs> Look, I live here, so uh, you know this place is tuned to me. That's when you look at them and go, "Hey, rent seven twenty-five this month." Just yeah. Heads up. yeah, like there's just there's no possible all because you're afraid to have a conversation with them, right? And, and like, I, this is your husband's problem, and he's a bit of a weak-livered puffball as far as your description is. Is like not being able to have a conversation with his own mom and dad. Like, like you can't stay here. And frankly, they're not taking the world in right either. No freshly married couple with a newborn kid. Wants a bunch of people hanging around causing a bunch of ruckus. Like, I always take it back to my, like, Jared's grandpa gave us a dog, right? And he said, when this dog needs to go to the vet, you have them bill me. I did not give you this dog to be a burden to you, right? That's what generosity looks like, right? So, like, if they're showing up to help or bond or be around, then you call and go, we don't want to impose on what you got going on. We know you got lives and families and work and whatever. When's a good time for us to stop by? Otherwise, me and Harold are going to be hitting the town, eating croissants down the road, whatever. You know, like you just don't show up and blow the place up, uh, imposing your will on your kids. That seems unnecessary, right? Like I would vol- I would choose the hotel unless one of my kids insisted. Like, and which they right. might, they might go. Lou, we'd love to have you here. It means something for us to have you stay. The kids don't mind. We'd love. Okay, then I would totally do it. Right. But like, I would probably enter it going, look, we got a hotel close because we don't want to. We don't want to disrupt your lives. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Dear, last one. Dear life from the path. My mother passed away years ago. I have one older sister, Nadine. Following my mother's death, with the blessing of my father, Nadine and I divided up mom's jewelry. My sister almost immediately began digging through closets and drawers and removing items from our parents' home every time she visited her father. Dad asked if I wanted any particular items that belonged to mama. I mentioned three things, but told him I didn't want to take anything from his house until he passed on. I thought it would be disrespectful to do otherwise. Nadine threw her future daughter-in-law a wedding shower and gave her two antique items that had been mom's, items I recognized immediately. I felt upset that she hadn't at least mentioned them to me before she gave them away. I have only the one granddaughter and may have wanted to pass those items down to her. Following the shower, I spoke with my dad. He agreed that before Nadine gave them away, she should have asked him, or me, if either of us wanted them. Am I wrong to be upset over this, or should I just let it go? Uh, I think you're wrong to still be upset about this. Yeah. I think the initial offense was like, yeah, absolutely. Hey, man, I'd be like, what the heck? What's yeah, happening right now? Have conversation for sure. Yeah. What was the point of the dad agreeing? 
to he's heavyweight. He has uh, weight to the story. Is he going to do something about it? No, he's just going to agree. Yeah. Yeah, this seems like something Dad that happened a bit ago. Uh, it happened. I mean, if she if she's like, if you talked to her and said, hey, this hurt my feelings. Okay, fine. You've said your piece. We'll move on. Yeah, at this point, you can't do anything about it, but just say, hey, from now on. Right, exactly. Like, if there's more know, stuff. Let's, let's, let's inventory this stuff, you know. And Yeah, I don't even feel like this. Like, it's so awkward when, like, uh, you know, siblings get in these, you know, little heirloom battles or whatever. You know, just stuff like this yeah. where, like, you could tell right in the offset, even if you had this conversation, it's not going to go right. You know yeah. this is not going to go very well. They're like, well, I have just as much right to these heirlooms as you do. Why would you get it to pass it to your granddaughter, and I don't give it, get to give it to my mother-in-law? And then it's just this big annoying thing. You know, and so like, I mean, if they mean the absolute world to you, I suppose it's worth standing up about. But like, these are just things. Right. Like, take a thing that reminds you of your mama and keep it close to you. And then like, I, yeah, I feel like unless you want to battle this out, I would try to let as much of this go as you can. Yeah. Like I'm like there was there have been some some heated battles, one sided, admittedly heated battles between me and my brother on a lot of the stuff mom and dad had. And, and like, I just 98 percent of the time I end up just going at whatever. Like, if that's what you wanted with it, fine. I don't care. Yeah. And, like, some of them, like, I, I have my dad's wedding ring, and I'm excited about that. It makes me happy to be wearing it. My wife has my mom's. That's cool. Uh, Trey has, like, our grandparents um, and stuff like that. And so, great. Um, but everything else, like, I don't, like, fine. And if he would have fought me on this, I'd be like, okay, just take it. Yeah. Like, it's whatever. It's not the end of the world. Um, but practically within here, yeah, I think we just keep echoing the whole, I think it's past uh, a, a place where like you need to be angry about it. If you've never said anything, say your piece, not with emotion, not being all angry, trying to fight it out. Just be like, hey, when you did this, this is how I felt. And in the future, if you could talk to me, that'd be great. And if it happens again, deal with it then. And go, hey, you. well, we talked about this already. You did this before, and I asked you not to again. We agreed. And then that's a whole new instance that you could just walk in together and realize that you don't have to freaking butt heads on everything. You think this is the dad's business to correct this thing? Like it's the it's the she's rifling the stuff out of his place. Yeah, I mean, yes, yeah, it's his wife's stuff. Yeah. Well, and it sounds like um, I I don't know that her what she felt like was prudence was even necessary. Like, hey, I don't want to take this out before you're like before yeah. you die. I like I've had uh, a, a, a numerous grandparents, either in laws or otherwise, who are like you know getting in their twilight years. I mean, they are like giving crap away right. all over the place. They're yeah, like, they don't want to carry it around anymore. And yeah. like, I mean, like tomato soup or something. You're like, I was no one's going to use this, but like, oh, you think you could? Let's get this out of here. <laughs> like they, the, the, their mindset is like, I don't want, I don't want a burden upon my family. I want to try to get all this stuff kind of right. sorted out while I'm alive. And so like. I, it sounds like there was a sentimental thing that goes, oh, it should stay in the house while dad's still in the house. Right. Yeah. I, maybe dad cares, but like it's quite possible that he doesn't. You're you're setting up a sentimentality that he doesn't actually care about, and you should probably just go split this stuff now. Yeah. Said said so this doesn't happen in again. Let's get all this stuff down. Let's just figure this out right now. That's the truth. That also sucks when you're funeral planning to have to go through the entire estate and figure out what goes to what. It's perfectly fine to have the conversation now to go, hey, this is what I care about. What do you care about? And then you've already walked into that kind of situation knowing, well, I really love that lamp because I remember one time I broke that thing and it has a chip in it, but then mom taught me how to fix it and it means the world to me. And, well, I care about mom's cast iron. Like, fine. Yeah. 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 Okay. Segular says, I will be direct. Most young people today do not want heirloom items. They prefer new, modern, and contemporary things. What is this? Commentary. What does that have to do with it? the crap? <laughs> These oh. newfangled people really don't understand there's permanence. A, there's a story to go along with it. I was recently at the memorial of a wealthy older gentleman. He had spent most of his life, not to mention millions of dollars, 
on rugs, antique furniture, and other collectibles. I overheard an antique dealer talk about how over the last 20 years, the market for those things had taken a dive. Your sister was wrong to grab your mother's possessions without consulting you or your father first, but this will cause a rift in the family. Let it go. I don't understand that uh, that finger wagon at uh, the modern generation. <laughs> just a, I, I, it sounds like an opportunity to just like get on the same page as the reader or the the person that's, uh, guess, that's sent it, in. But like those, it's it's weird because like an heirloom, Stupid. like take the rings, yeah. like those make sense to me. Yeah, it's things it's the to head only down. Thing I cared about, right? These rugs might be ugly as crap. Yeah. Like the, 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 <laughs> those are two different things. My parents, my parents had paintings of ducks. Uh-huh. Like uh, a stupid amount of paintings of ducks. We found out they were actually worth a good chunk of money. They were. Uh, did anybody know who Maynard Reese is? Like the mm-hmm. he's a, apparently amongst the waterfowl uh, conservation people. He's a very well known painter. Yeah. Um, painted like a lot of the stamps that Ducks Unlimited has put out yeah. over the years. Mm. We even had some of the mints for the original stamps the Ducks vintage Reese in the living room and so but like we we like sold off like 25 of those paintings to like the Maynard Reese Foundation or something because they huh. were a huge deal yeah we did not give a lick about a single one of those paintings. Uh-huh. Like that was my parents. Like we had them all over the place. My my grandfather was big into Ducks Unlimited, all that stuff. We're like honorary Green Wings for life as the Engeldinger boys. It's insane. <laughs> I could not tell you. I don't even know what happened to those. We yeah. sold them off. I don't know how much money we got out of it. I didn't care at the time. I, I mean, we threw away you know, most of mom and dad's stuff. Like we were just like, ah. Thanks. I mean, I'm glad they have this stuff. Like, that's fine. I don't care. Yeah, because most of the house, like, when someone passes away, right, most of the house is, like, just stupid living yeah. things. Right. Yeah. You know? Who, yeah. who wants mom's can opener? Yeah. Like, I don't, what, what am I going to do with this? I don't need double can opener. Goodwill is is alive because people have died. <laughs> Dan, yeah. Okay? Like, Dan, was there anything, like, like, when your mom passed and you had to clean out her things, like... Were, were there some like really sentimental items that you came across that like, or maybe that surprised you that you didn't know were sentimental to you? I mean, in the beginning, uh, first of all, I have like ten totes. I just piled stuff in, and and like nine of them are still in my garage. <laughs> and I opened one like three years ago, and I think I threw ninety nine percent of it away. Uh-huh. Right. And, you know, but the time I was like, oh, this is like, oh, I can't get rid of this. Right. You know? <laughs> and I have, I just need to take time to do the others. Then there was like uh, the coat she was wearing. I'm like, I don't know. I had just hung onto it. I just like, just yeah. you know, I just had to hang it up. I, I don't know where it is now, but like right. for a long time, I'd had that. Um, I right. could see it. At least it smelled like like there's an association there's with it. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I kept my dad's clothes out of grief. Right, right. And that was just me trying to to, to hold on to him exactly. a little bit longer. It was. And- a- it was close to him. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like I feel like I'm. He's near me because like I can even identify based off like people. Like, yeah. You look just like him. I'm like I'm. I'm his shoes. Shoes. Yeah. It's yeah, like these yeah. are his shoes actually. <laughs> but there was no there was no furniture really like in her setting. I mean she just didn't have any. Was like assisted living or something like that. Was well, she it was an apartment, small? but it was okay. a low income apartment right. complex for elderly. You yep. Know? Yep. So. Uh, he, I can't remember anything I kept. A radio that she bought off a WHO radio. And she's like, oh, this is great. Van and Bonnie <laughs> sold this. And so, you know, I thought, okay, I'll get to hang on to that. Right. You know? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, but, but uh, yeah, that, that nothing really. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's interesting to think about, like, the things that, that you're, like, that my kids might care about. <laughs> yeah. Right, like I, what did I think? Um, I thought, like, I don't think my Bible's going to make it another five years. It's in rough shape. Yeah, and I thought, like, would I keep it? Like, would one of the kids care to keep it? I kind of would. Like, of all the crap around my house, like, 
like I'd like it if they. Yeah. I don't know I why. Kept my dad's Bible. Yeah. yeah, right. But like, uh, but then I look. I was looking around the other stuff for a house, like stuff that you know we bought and we thought was great. And I'm like, oh well, no, I don't. Yeah. They probably don't care about that. Nope. Nope. I've got a, I've got a library table that my great great I think great 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 grandfather built. Oh, yeah. Right? So it's been passed right. down. I remember my dad, you know, sitting at his just desk, you know. But my kids are like, oh, that looks stupid. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'd paint it right away, and I'm like, oh, you can't really oh, paint no. this. Like, please you know, don't like, ever do that. Like, that's not, yeah. This is, uh, so I don't know. It probably looked going to landfill probably when I die. I don't know. Yeah, I, right, yeah, say, yeah. I kept my dad's Bible, and then I replaced the Bible out of after after a couple years, and I still have the Bible cover. So like the brown leather Bible cover he had, I still have. And yeah. I think that might be the, I mean, I've got his ring in that. Yeah. That's probably it, And uh, if I can think of anything else. Maybe a mug that I made him in high school. Because yeah. I like laser engraved foghorn leghorn onto a mug for him once. Yeah, yeah. And I think I have that. And that's yeah. it. Epic. Okay. Hey, you're listening live from the path. Thanks for hanging out with us this week. We really do appreciate it. If you got anything for us, use the Bob Eisenhower Live from the Path, the complete line, 515-517-0085. Call or text. We'd love to hear from you. And uh, we'll plan on, uh, I guess, seeing you when we see you. In the meantime, be faithful in the means. God will handle the ends. You've been listening to Live from the Path. See Eisenhower texted it.